Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. I'm sure we all agree that we live in a troubled and broken world. Though it's always been that way, it seems that things just keep getting worse. It is certainly not at all what God intended for mankind. Our sin and depravity have devastated our beautiful planet, but even more so, our lives, our futures, our hopes, our relationships, and most of all, ourselves. On occasions we read in the Bible of how the Lord Jesus grieved over the destruction that sin had brought to our world, sickness and death, both physical and spiritual. He wept at the grave of a man that he knew he would soon raise to life again. So why did he cry? Well, certainly in empathy and compassion for those who were reeling from the loss of a loved one, also surely for the dire consequences that sin and disobedience have brought into the world. We read of how he cried over a city that had rejected him, their only hope of salvation. I wonder, how much has he cried over our towns and our cities? How often has he been touched by our sicknesses and sorrows? This may not be the first time you hear the gospel message. Maybe you have heard it many times throughout your life, but you put it aside. You have kept God out of your life. Well, you're going to hear it again. God loves you and grieves for your sin and rebellion. We hope that you will respond to the tender entreaties of Jesus once again as you listen to this touching message about the love of God for you. Historically, the section we are going to read is actually what we know today as Palm Sunday. And Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem for the last time before his crucifixion. Perhaps some of you will remember this story where a colt is found and the Lord Jesus rides this colt or donkey. Verse 35, and they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Verse 40, And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out. Verse 41, and when he was come near, that is near to Jerusalem, the brow of the hill overlooking Jerusalem, overlooking the city, he beheld the city and wept over it. And so what I want to talk about for a few minutes is Jesus cried. Why? 
Some show their emotions outwardly more than others. Some cry outside, but all cry inside. Many people cried this week. Many are crying today. Moms, dads, children, grandchildren, doctors, nurses, health workers, paramedics, and the list goes on. Why are there tears in our world? Human logic blames God. He's in control. He has a cruel streak. He finds a perverse joy in death. Could have made us tearless. But here's the Bible logic. It goes like this. Romans 5, verse 12. By one man, that was Adam, sin entered into the world. Tears are the consequence and the outcome of human sin and rebellion against God. So I want to think about sin and its devastation. That wasn't the only time that Jesus cried here in Luke 19. In John chapter 11, verse 35, we read the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. A home that loved the Savior was shattered. The king of terror, death, had claimed yet another victim. Death hits all. Romans 5, verse 12 says, So death has passed upon all, for all have sinned. And a family is in deep grief in that chapter where Jesus is weeping. The Savior arrives. He stands at the tomb. We read, Jesus wept. In that tomb was a loved one. Two sisters were crying outside, but Lazarus was inside a corpse. Why did Jesus weep? I mean, he knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Within minutes, there was going to be great joy and rejoicing. So why then was Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus? Probably because he was moved with indignation and holy anger over the effects of sin. He came from a place that was free from sin, free from tears. He created a perfect world and a perfect relationship between himself and humankind. But something dreadful had happened. Sin had separated us. Over the millennia, independence, rebellion, arrogance, that became the dominant feature of our human family. Self-sufficient, self-sustaining, self-gratifying. We please ourselves. And the Savior stood at that tomb that day, weeping, sin, and its awful devastation, its consequences. Sin results in physical death. Sin results in eternal death. How did God respond to sin? Let's face it, he didn't have to do anything. We were the offenders. We were the guilty ones. He was under no obligation to solve the problems that we had created for ourselves. But I want you to know something about the God of the Bible. His heart was moved with love. And in grace, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. So why did Jesus weep outside the tomb of Lazarus? Sin and the devastation caused by sin. Moments later, he raised Lazarus from the dead. But we read in Luke's gospel, chapter 19, verse 41, he beheld the city and he wept over it. Jesus had come to Jerusalem on other occasions. Even as a youth growing up in Nazareth, he went there with Mary and Joseph. On this day, there was a huge crowd with him as he traveled from Galilee to Jerusalem. It was his last visit to the city. Gathered around him, traveling over the dusty roads, 
the hills and the valleys, up the mountains. There were those that he had healed and he had saved from Galilee, from Capernaum, from Magdala, Jericho. As Jesus headed towards Jerusalem, there was this great entourage of people for the last visit. Matthew writes about that crowd from Galilee. Here's what Matthew 21 verse 8 says. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, strawed them on the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, Hosanna originally meant to save or to rescue, but it became apparently a word of praise and acclamation. So what we read in verse 37 of Luke's gospel, chapter 19, when he was come near, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Are you wondering if Jesus was really God in human flesh? Friend, no one ever did the mighty miracles that Jesus did. They're documented. Read your Bible. So thrilling to think that he visited planet Earth. Verse 38 says, these people that were rejoicing said, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then we read verse 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. Planet Earth is filled with tears. Jesus cried. When he looked at that city, Jerusalem, he wasn't crying over the great buildings, the architecture. He wasn't crying about their economic initiatives, their enterprises. He wasn't crying about their innovations or lack thereof. Those things did not move his tender heart. His loving, compassionate heart was moved for the precious souls in the city. That city, marked by various lifestyles, various stations in life, political leaders, religious leaders, religious adherents, the underprivileged. And when he looked down the mountain that day over the city, his heart was moved and hot, scalding tears ran down our blessed Savior's face. His compassion for all. I hope there's no one this day thinking that he's a mean, despot-like character. The God of the Bible, the Savior that we read about in the Bible, he was moved with tender compassion. Over and over and over again, we read this great word, whosoever, whoever will come to Jesus. They'll drink of the water that he will give them, and they will never thirst again. Whoever comes to him, he will give them eternal life. Oh, the exclusiveness of the gospel is its inclusiveness. You might be excluded tonight from a lot of events. Maybe you've never been invited to Buckingham Palace. Neither have I. Nor have I been invited to the prime minister's residence. Excluded. But the message from the word of God it's all inclusive. You don't have to have money to qualify. You don't have to have religion to qualify. You can have many sins and you qualify. It is a whosoever message. It includes all. 
regardless of the skeletons in people's closets, regardless of their lifestyle in the past. Jesus, in tender mercy, is reaching into your life just now. And when Jesus looked at that city, he thought this was a tremendous time of visitation, and they missed their opportunity. Just hours, days later, they would take the Lord Jesus and nail him to a cross. Totally rejected him. He came to be a blessing. He came to be not a political deliverer, but he came to be the deliverer of their sins. But they turned him down. I hope there's no one just now thinking about turning the Savior away. It was a time of visitation. They missed their opportunity. And it says he wept. There are three reasons why God still mourns today. The first reason that I can think of is that a lost relationship with himself. God desires to have a personal relationship with each of us. Yes, with you. When a sinner does not trust Christ as their Savior, when a sinner dies in their sins, not saved, there are no more opportunities for God to establish a relationship with the person, a lost relationship with himself. Another reason why God mourns today is a lost life. Someone has the potential, you have the potential to live the life that God intends for you to live. A life far better, far richer, far more fulfilling than any life we could ever live, no matter what we achieve on planet Earth. God has a better life, an infinitely better life for you. And heaven mourns tonight to think that a lost life, lost potential, nothing in the person's life that pleased the Almighty God, the tragedy of a wasted life. But there's another reason why heaven mourns, a lost eternity. God knows the full extent of the suffering of a lost soul in that place that maybe you'll be offended if I say the word. But the Bible calls it hell, a place of eternal separation and conscious suffering. God does not want you to be there. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He is long-suffering towards who? Towards us. Not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. No one can ever point their finger at God and say that God is cruel if there is a place called hell. Hell was never intended for you or for anyone here. That's why Jesus died. And that's why God is waiting for you tonight. He is not willing that anyone should perish. First Timothy 2 verse 4 says, This is God's desire. The desire of God's heart is he desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If someone watching this tonight should ever die in their sins and be separated from God eternally, what a tremendous loss. There was another occasion when Jesus cried. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 44. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just outside of Jerusalem, just hours before he went to the cross. And this is what the Bible says. And being in an agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly, 
His sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Hebrews 5 verse 7 says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong cryings and what? Tears. In that garden of Gethsemane, Jesus thought about the suffering that he would endure on the cross. The sin that he would take upon himself. Completely perfect, absolutely innocent, but upon himself he would take our load of sin. And the punishment that we deserved would fall on him when he hung there on the cross. Christ would die for our sins. He would suffer the penalty for our sins. Yes, he would endure the humiliation, the brutal physical assaults on the Savior, the shame, the bullying, the marred beard the assault on his masculinity, but more, the load of sin that he would bear. On that cross, Jesus would cry out in separation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can appreciate this tonight. I don't know whether you appreciate it, but today I've been thankful to God. I've been thankful to my Savior. He was forsaken on the cross that I would never be forsaken for all eternity. He died for my sins on the cross. That's why I love him so. Uh, friend, a real, genuine, authentic Christian loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived here for 33 years, not in a bubble. He lived in poverty. He experienced poverty. He experienced hunger. He was tired. He experienced thirst. And he cried, cried. He looked down through the ages, I believe it's fair to say, that he not only cried for the city of Jerusalem, but his heart breaking for those who would hear the message of good news, how that he would die for their sins, and yet they would turn away. More important things in their life. You know, I'm going to a place where every tear is going to be wiped away. No sin. No tears. The last tear will be gone forever. But if you don't come to know Christ as your Savior, your tears will never end. God is speaking to you. God's voice sounding in your heart. That's why you're thinking right now about your need to have your sins forgiven. You need to be saved. That's why you're thinking you need to be sheltered from judgment. That's why you're thinking you need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. That's why you're thinking you need to be prepared to meet your God. That is God speaking to you in the inner parts of your heart. God is behind the scenes at work in your life. Is it possible he's weeping in his tender and loving heart for you right now? He knows that it's an opportunity for you to be saved. But we're living in a world that's crying tonight, and you have an opportunity to have your sins forgiven. You have an opportunity to have peace, but you are turning away from him. Perhaps you just think that we're talking about religion or about church. This is not about religion. This is not about church. This is a golden opportunity for you to have your sins forgiven, to experience peace with God, to become a possessor of eternal life, and enter into a personal relationship with God. How? 
through personal faith in his own son, the Lord Jesus. Are you thinking of pulling back from him as he tenderly and graciously reaches out to you? Are you pulling back? He's speaking to you. He's reaching out to you. Don't be like the city of Jerusalem. Don't reject him. Is there someone right now and you're bothered about your sin? You say, I'm not ready to meet God. You want to accept him right now? No, you need to open your Bible as soon as I finish here and get this matter settled. I'm going to read off some verses for you to read. Get a piece of paper and a pen or enter them in your device. God has made his way of salvation through personal faith in Christ incredibly clear in the Bible. Thousands of people around the world have trusted Christ as their personal savior through any one of the verses that I'm going to list for you. Why wouldn't you? Why would you wait until tomorrow? Are you sure you will be here tomorrow? Are you sure the door will still be open tomorrow? As we close, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, 1 Peter 2, verse 24, 1 Peter 3, verse 18, Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, John 1, verse 12, John 3, verse 36, John 5, verse 24. If you are an adult, given all you've seen and how quickly everything has crumbled and all that was so important, it seems to have been upended by just one unseen spreading virus. Most of you have heard about the book of the Revelation and a coming day of unprecedented fear that will grip our entire world, COVID-19 in that coming day will seem so small compared to everything else that will be happening on planet Earth. The economical disruption that you read about in Revelation, environmental, biological disasters, ecological catastrophes, geological horrors, political upheaval, all of this awaits planet earth why don't you come to christ right now i'm going to quote one more verse ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast there is one more verse, Romans 6, verse 23. Look at the wages of sin is death. Get this. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is reaching down into your life right now. And he says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is there someone who will accept? the gift of eternal life right now by personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, the clear gospel message goes out to you again today. What beautiful verses we find in Scripture that call us out to sinners to believe them and be saved. Is your heart troubled today? Do you see no hope for your future? Has sin in your life and in others caused you to cry recently? 
Take heed to the precious words in the Bible that point to eternal life and eternal satisfaction to all who believe them. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.